Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So how are we doing, Heart Church? Wow. 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 You know what? You know, God is, God is not just a God of a second chance. God is a God of another chance. So I'm going to make my way to this side of the room to say that you know what, even though things might not have been that great the first time, I believe in a God of redemption, Andrew, and He gives you another go. How are we doing, Heart Church? Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's absolutely awesome. We love you. Great to have you here, particularly if you don't usually go to church. Uh, We love the fact that you've come to check us out, even though right now you might be thinking to yourself, why of all the weeks I could have chosen to go to church, why have I chosen the week when they're talking about money? Why did I choose this week? Well, don't worry. You know what? The truth is you can actually sit there and be quite smug because you can just fold your arms and just look around the room at people and think, this is what you guys should be on with. So uh, you can just sit there and uh, listen to what everybody else should be doing. But we, um, we are uh, just taking a few weeks out. It's kind of an annual uh, event um, in regard to looking at what the Bible says about giving. And um, next week and the week after, we're going to be talking about blessed beyond your wildest dreams. Week four will be generous on every occasion. But this week, we are talking about the fact it starts with the heart. And whether you've never heard a message like this or you've heard it thousands of times, you know, we all need to hear it. I've been blessed again as I've engaged with the subject. And uh, even though... It's something that, you know, we as a family have heard and practiced for many, many years. It is reaffirmed in my heart as we look at it again. And so we're going to look at what the Bible says. Today, we're going to look at a few scriptures. And that's because I want you to know it is the Bible that's saying it. It's just not me who's saying it. It's just not what we think. And the thing is this, and and I think quite a lot of people don't even realise this, that, that, that Jesus talked a lot about money and possessions. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions, it's a thing. We can't get away from it. Turn to someone and say, it's a thing. So I'm going to go to, I think, those of you who maybe have engaged with the Bible for a while wouldn't be surprised at my first stop-off point. Uh, the prophet Malachi spoke on this subject. And uh, I'm going to read some verses from Malachi chapter 3. This is what the Bible says. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? 
In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So, you see, God was challenging the people about their, the authenticity of their worship and their attitude. And I don't know about you, but I'm intrigued by the fact that, that God did, in challenging the people, God did not call a prayer meeting. He didn't call a worship time. He didn't ask for a Bible study. The first thing that he did in calling people back to himself was challenge them about what they did with their income. And the reality is this, and that's what we're going to go a little bit of a journey on. God is not trying to fleece you, he's trying to bless you. And we're going to go on a little bit of a journey of how that works. But he, what he does is throw out a challenge. There's nowhere else in the Bible where God asks you to test him. But he's saying, guys, I so want you to get this. I'm going to get you to test me. I'm going to get you to, to, uh, to try me out to see whether I will deliver on the promises. Now, of course, it's no test at all because God is determined to deliver on his promises. But what Malachi is addressing is not currency. It's actually hearts and attitudes, the hearts and attitudes of the people of God. It's not about the money. It's what we do with our money that reveals our heart, our priorities and our motives. It's like God saying, look, I'm talking to you about money. But it's not really about the money. I want you to, I want you to hear what I'm saying, but it's, I'm, I'm using that, but it's not really about that. So it's like, you know, like when we were uh, first married, Lynette and I, you know, like I, I realised, you know, I used to make myself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and I used to make her one. And uh, oftentimes, oftentimes, she didn't drink it. So like, I'm thinking, you know, okay, fine. So like, then I started making me a coffee and because she didn't drink the coffee that I made her, I now just made me a coffee. Then when I didn't make her a coffee, she's saying, you didn't make me a coffee. I said, well, I didn't make you a coffee because you didn't drink the coffee when I made you a coffee. But it took me a little while, because I'm a bit slow, it took me a little while to realise it wasn't about the coffee. What, what she, it wasn't about her drinking the coffee. It was about that I thought about her by making her a coffee, that I'd done something for her. It wasn't about the coffee. Turn to someone and say, it's not about the coffee. It's not about the coffee. It's, it's, it's about, it was about me 
showing love. She didn't have to drink the coffee because it was never about the coffee. It's not about the money. God is blessed by our obedience and our sacrifice, but He's most blessed by what it says about the relationship. It's like, you know, whether, you know, one of your kids or when they were little or maybe a niece or a nephew or something like that, you know, runs, runs up to you with a piece of paper and it's got a squiggle on and a splodge and, you know, like, ugh, like. And if you're a wise parent or a wise aunt or uncle, you won't look at the piece of paper and go, what is it? You will look at the piece of paper and say, tell me about your picture. And then they'll start interpreting the squiggle and the splodge and you will find out that that's a cat and that circle is you and the, the blue splodge is the sun. And, and, and anyway, it's all interpreted for you and you will go, oh wow, that is awesome. That is beautiful. And you will probably put it on the fridge. Not because it is a masterpiece, but because of your relationship with the artist. It's, it, the, the, the picture says more about your relationship than it does actually about the artwork. And it's the same when it comes to our relationship with God and about giving. It's it's, it's it says something about us. It says something about our heart. Because obviously we can give stuff and it not really communicate the right message. You know, like for instance, if I came to you, Jane, and I said, oh, you know what? Lynette made this awesome cake in the week. And I've, you know, like, and I was just, honestly, I was just putting the the last piece in my mouth, I thought, you know what, Jane would love this cake. And, and I came with a Tupperware and it just got a few crumbs in it. I said, I was just thinking of you. It, it's like, I'm giving you something. I'm giving her something. But somehow she's going to feel a little bit devalued by that experience because I'm telling her how amazing this cake is, but now I'm giving her crumbs. I'm giving her something, but it's not, She's not feeling blessed by what I am giving. So it's not just about what I give, but the attitude with which I give it. Because you see, too often we judge ourselves by our intentions. I was going to, do, how many times do you hear that? I was going to do it. We justify ourselves by saying, I was going to do it, but you don't understand this happened and that happened and this got in the way. Because why? I've justified me by my intentions, but other people are going to judge me by my actions. It's like, yeah, I know you intended to be on time, but you're late, bro. So it's, I'm judged. And it's the same when it comes to our Given. You see, Proverbs 27 verse 19 says that as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. That is a very challenging verse. As water reflects the face, so one's 
life reflects the heart. So I am living, my life flows from my heart and what I'm bringing out of my heart. There's a great story in the book of Genesis about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were uh, the two sons, first two sons of Adam and Eve. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 4, uh, verse 2, that, that, that Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Sorry, verse 2 in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And those of you who know the rest of the story know that things did not work out too well. But the main point that I wanna bring out in regard to today's message is that Cain brought an offering. He brought something. He grew vegetables. He brought some vegetables. But Abel brought the best of what he got. He didn't bring crumbs. He brought the best of the best. He brought fat portions of the firstborn of his flock. And those of us uh, who, who have been around the Bible for a while might know that the, the, the first things always belong to God. The firstborn, the first day of the week, the first portion, because that was, it was symbolic of bringing my best. When I give you my first, I'm giving you the best. I'm not giving you crumbs. And when I give you the best, it says something about my attitude and it says something about our relationship. Because somewhere along the line, love will always cost you something. We'll look at that in a moment. In fact, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said uh, there in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also, excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. It's like I've said, ultimately giving has to be part of love. If I, if I, if I say I love you, then Somehow I'm going to give something along the way that proves that I love you. It's like no, no, no woman's looking for a man who is just going to say, I love you, babe. I love you, babe. I love you, babe. I love you, babe. You're awesome. I love you. Mm, you're gorgeous, babe. I love you. They, and, and, and then they're like, but they never pay for anything. They never buy you a gift. They never pay for the meal, you know. 
You're like, why, she's digging in a purse to pay for the meal. And he said, I love you, babe. You're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's like, next time, next time. Like, you know, like, can I just say, if you are a woman here with that kind of man, you need to do something about that. If you're married to them, God bless you. It's a bit late now, but should have, should have worked that one out on the way in. But it's, you know, like you, love has to cost something somewhere along the line, but it's a natural response to love. And you see, Paul is saying, and I think that, you know, I, I think, you know, I love it. I love the fact that Paul says, I'm not commanding you. It's like, because you know what, whenever you talk about money and you talk about giving, everyone gets all tense and a bit defensive. And, you know, it's like, ooh, I don't know. Like, it's like, is, I'm, hey, hey guys, I'm not commanding you. I'm getting you to think about this. Because ultimately, this is about freedom of choice. You have the freedom to choose, but I'm trying to show you the way to be blessed because true love allows freedom of choice. Love does not control. True love allows freedom of choice and that is what God allows us. And he's saying to these guys, he says, look, I'm not commanding you to do it, but I'm just saying that, that you prove that love is sincere through this your love is sincere through this grace of giving. And he's saying, look, you're leaders in every other area. I also want you to be leaders in this area of giving. In a way, it's, in, when, we, when we look at the area of a giving, it's a way of testing who is in charge of me. Am I in charge of me? Or is God in charge of me? Because some of us, we say Lord, we call him Lord, but, but still, I'm in charge of me. Have you ever had one of those conversations with somebody and they say, you know, I felt the Lord was saying to me to do this and I was saying, no, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm not ready to do that, Lord. And it's like, wait a minute, there's something a bit wrong with that picture because if he is Lord, you've got to do what he says. But if you're saying no, Lord, then you are in charge of you. You see, bringing tithes and offerings is not God's way of raising money. It's God's way of raising you and God's way of raising me. Something happens in the giving. Something happens. That's why I'm saying, it's like, God, could you not choose something easier? But something happens in the giving. This is not like paying a bill. This is not like how we use money in any other context. I mean, I've heard preachers down the years describe this in all kinds of ways. And I've got to say, some, I take a little bit of issue with it because, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, you know what, paying your tithes, it's just your ground rent. It's just your ground rent. It's just paying God what you owe Him. I don't think God wants it to be seen in that way. 
Because this is not about using money to pay a bill like you pay your rent or you pay your electric bill. This is about giving something to God that when I do that, when, I, when God asks me for money, it's so that He can give me something that money can't buy. That is, that is His heart. He's not asking me to treat this like I treat every other money that leaves my pocket. He's wanting me to understand that this is different and this is saying something about our relationship. You see, the book of Haggai, that little book, um, says this uh, in Haggai chapter one. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. That's what the people say. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while the house, this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labour of your hands. Oh my gosh, that is not a great story at that part of it. You see, what God is saying, that neglect of His house. Now, let me, let me say this. The picture of God's house in this is to do with your spiritual life. It's to do with the spiritual part of your life. It's to do with your relationship with your God. The house of God is symbolic of your spiritual life. And what he's saying is when you neglect me, when you neglect my house, it's eventually going to influence your house. He's saying, look, the part, you, you've proved it. People are working hard, but the harder they work, they still don't have enough. They're putting it in pocket, in purses with holes in it. And, you know, it's, 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 this whole scripture is about frustration. We're talking about people who, who are creative. We're talking about people who know how to work. We're, we're talking about people who aren't lazy. They're on with doing something, but they are frustrated because they are working hard and not seeing the results that they want to see. Now, I think that, I don't know, but I think that, that, that God uses money because He knows when He's talking about money, He's got our attention. 
You know what I mean? It's like I could come and talk about prayer and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I know I should pray more and I don't pray enough. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, or I could talk about worship and yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I need to worship more. I've not been doing great. But, like, but it's like when you come and talk about money, it's like, <laughs> like, every, like we've got, now we've got your attention because like we can't just brush this aside now. And so, he uses, he uses money to get our attention, but we've got to accept the fact that he has chosen this as his vehicle to get blessing to us. I don't know why, I don't know why he didn't choose the prayer meeting. I don't know why he didn't choose the Bible study. All I know is that God has chosen this as a method of getting blessing to us. I didn't write it. But I think it is because he knows he's got our attention. And when we are applying this to our lives, he's got us. He's got us. We're not, we're not on the edge anymore. We're not drifting. We're not pretending. We're not just going through the motions. This is real because it's touching the deepest part of my life. This is about building strong, healthy Christians who are applying biblical principles to their lives. That's the kind of church Heart Church is. That's the kind of church we are building. We're not building the kind of church where we just all gather and it's, ah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And we're just all having a sing song and then we get our happy meal and we go on and get into our week and we have a tough week. And it's like, oh, it's tough. And I can't wait to get back to church to get another happy meal. And we go and get our happy meal and we sing a few songs and we get all pumped up again. And come on, do you love Jesus? Yeah, we love Jesus. Come on, do you love Jesus? Yeah, we love Jesus. And then we go out into our, it's, it's all froth. I mean, to be fair, I do love those moments every now and again. But you can't build church on those moments. You can't build a life on those moments. God delivers from churches that just give her a frothy, nice time. Because you know what? When we walk out those doors, we've got some real issues we need to face with. We've got some real pain we need to work through. We've got some real challenges. We've got, we've got issues at work. We've got problems with our son and issues with our daughter and issues with our mother and we haven't got enough money to make it through the week and we've got some real issues we need to address and that means that we need a real God who can help us deal with those real issues but then we've got to do it His way. See someone once said that a wise person when the light comes they adjust to the light. In other words when truth comes, they change. Proverbs 9 verse 9 says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The foolish person, however, when the light comes, adjust the light. They change the truth rather than changing themselves. They will minimise it, excuse it, or shoot the messenger. See, the reality is, and Proverbs says it well in the message version, it says the world of the generous gets larger 
and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It's almost like God's like saying, hey, heads up guys. You know, like you've got, you really genuinely have a choice here, but you also need to understand the consequences of your decisions. Because absolutely it starts with the heart. But God is trying to get blessing to us, not money from us. And that's why, you know, in approaching, you know, because like, you know, it's almost like you put up the promo on the screens about, hey, we're going to have a whole bunch about giving. And, you, you know, for some people, you can almost feel the whole church roll their eyes. Oh, God. It's just another opportunity to feel bad about myself. And, uh, you know, I'm not doing what I should. And uh, I, I, No. You see, that's, that's when, you, when you're viewing your life and when you're viewing giving in that way, when you're viewing God in that way, you are viewing Him in the wrong way. That's why I, I'm, we, are, we are here not sharing theory because we've sat down with a book somewhere and we've, uh, we, we're coming to regurgitate that to you. This is our life. This is the way we've lived. This is the way we've proved God over and over God. And we aren't even the only ones. There are loads of you who have done exactly the same thing. You've proved God over and over again. That's why as, the water, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And then Proverbs 4 says, he says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So that's why, why is it? If my life reflects my heart, that explains why I've got to guard my heart. Because if the enemy can wound your heart, it can mess up your future. It can mess up what flows from you and mess up what your life looks like. Because if God can get us to understand that when we are giving generous people, our world gets bigger and wider and brighter and more wonderful. You know, even, it doesn't mean even mean that everything in my world is perfect, but when I do something good for somebody, it, 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 it blesses them. And when I see they're blessed, it blesses me. And listen, there are some definite enemies to generosity in our lives. Some of it is a lack of trust in God. Because life has taught us not to trust. Because life has thrown us just too many curveballs. And some of us, we want to trust, but, but we find it so hard to trust. And so when I don't trust, I withhold, I hold back. And, you know, fear also plays a part of it. Fear of not having enough, a scarcity mentality to do with stinginess and, and pessimism. And I think for some of us, that could be to do with, for some of us, the families we grew up in. 
It can be to do with some of the friends we've surrounded ourselves with. Some of us have got a fear of scarcity because we've lived with it. And it's stressful, stressful living with not enough. It's very stressful. I know about it. But we also know a God who is able to get us through that if we obey His principles. Generosity is not just to do with how much you have. You know, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting all kinds of people in my life. I've met some very poor people who are outstandingly, humblingly generous, who will give you everything that they have got. And I've met some incredibly wealthy people who are stingy and they live stingy. They don't, they don't, they don't, they're not even generous to themselves. It's not that they're not generous. They're not generous to themselves. They, they've, they, they, their sense of peace and satisfaction just comes from having the money. You know, someone once said that all money will ever do is magnify who you are. If you're generous with not much money, you'll be generous when you've got money. If you're fearful when you don't have money, you'll be fearful when you do. It's not the amount of money that changes anything, although we tell ourselves the lie that it will. Oh, it would be different. If I had more money, I'd be more generous. But generosity is not rooted in how much I have. Generosity is rooted in my heart. It's, I, it's just the way I live. It's, it's who I am. You see, no wonder Romans 12 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And it says, practice hospitality. Sometimes we've just got to practice. Practice. Practice hospitality. Practice giving. Practice being generous. Now listen, I was, trust me, I was not really brought up in the most generous household. Certainly wouldn't be what I uh, remember. But, but I, my life has changed radically by encountering Jesus. And you know what? Even when you've encountered Jesus, it needs to change a little bit more. Not too many amens there, but it's fine. <laughs> you know, like, for instance, um, you know, Lynn, listen, Lynn, beautiful woman. Come on now. But, not but, and, you know, when we go out for a meal, like, oftentimes, she'll, ser- she'll suffer from a serious case of food envy. Some of you might not be familiar with food envy. Food envy is when you are looking at what somebody else has ordered and you wish you'd ordered that. Because she always likes, you know, like she wants to, she, she wants to order something that's like healthy, like a, an asparagus tip and a twig <laughs> in an avocado jus or something like that. 
And it comes there and like, you know, it looks like it's going to blow off the plate. But, and then she looks at what I've ordered, which is probably a little bit more substantial. And she said, no, I think I've ordered the wrong thing, haven't I? And, and uh, you know, she will, like, she'll, she'll want to, she'll want to have one of my chips now. You know what I'm saying? That's like, now you, now you start to realise how generous you are. Or not. It's like, you know, babe, babe, I'm going, I'm going to get some chips. Do you want some chips? No, 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 no. I definitely don't want, are you sure? I'll get your bag. I'll get you your own bag of chips. I was like, like, no, I don't want chips. I'm not, no, I'm not eating that. I'm not putting that in my body. No, I'm not. I'm not eating that. Okay, cool. I'll go and get some chips. I'll go get some chips. Come in with my chips. And she says, ooh. Let me just, um, let me just, uh, ooh. Now, like, I'm like, I used to get annoyed. Like, suddenly, Mr. Christian, with all his generosity, was like, there was no generosity. It's like, babe, I said I was going to buy you some chips. Take your hand off my chips, man. I don't know why you're... What are you, what are you, what are you saying about my chips? And it's like, but now, you see, guys, I've practiced generosity. A real, thank you, a real man of God. I just feel that this should be really given due credit. And over the years, it's taken quite a few of them of practicing a lot. Now, I share, we went out for a meal on Thursday night and she reached onto my plate and took some food from it. And I was just released into a place of worship, adoration (laughs) and praise. And all I'm saying guys is that, that could also happen for you if you keep following Jesus, I don't know. It's, we need, like, we can learn. We, we can learn. We can learn to be more generous. I don't know about you, but like, I can be generous when everybody's being generous. You know when everyone's being generous and we're all being generous and we're all buddies and high-fiving. It's all awesome. We're all generous. But you know what can be really difficult is when I'm being generous. You know? I'm being generous and it's like, you know, it's like I washed up last time. You know, I I emptied the dishwasher, I'm just saying, last time. It's like, am I the only one? Am I the only one who can tidy this room? It's like, we, we have our limits, don't we? Of generosity, it's like, there, that's when we find out how generous we are, really. And, and, and God can help, but we have to practice. Now, I'm not telling, because I said, the trouble is that when I go home, this message is going to get preached back to me by members of my family uh, when I challenge them about why that room isn't tidy. But, you know, like there are, good, there are rules to having a good home and, and, and our children should obey those rules without question at all times. In Jesus' name. Amen. And all the parents said, Amen. You see, God is trying to get us to understand that you really need this. 
And if you get it, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's just that. You've got to get your head around the fact that, you know, so what you're saying, God, if I give you, so I give you this out of my salary and I've got less and now I'm blessed. Um, wow. Yeah, it's like, mm, I don't know. I think there's someone blessed here. It's not feeling like me right now because I've got less. And, 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 and God's, you know, it's like God's saying, calm down. Calm down. You, you're not seeing it from my point of view. You're looking at what you've got and you're thinking it's less, but you're forgetting who you're giving it to. And he's a good father. He's a good father. He's not like your father. Even if your father is a good father, he's a better father than your good father. He's a good father. And he wants to bless you. When I talked about from the book of Haggai that, that you know, they had to spend some, put some attention to God's house, to their spiritual life. If you read a little bit further on, you would see that, guess what? They only had to finish the foundations. And God was like, you're, that is awesome. I, I can't wait to bless these guys. I know I should wait until they're finished. I can't, I just wanna bless them. But they'd only laid the foundations and He was pouring out blessing. You see, that's the, the nature of the father that we're talking about. It's that, it's that father, like with the prodigal son, when, when the son came running home and, and, and he was there stinking of the pigsty and he was there uh, saying, oh dad, you know, I'm sorry, I've messed up. I've stopped. He, didn't, he couldn't even get his speech out before God, the, you know, father, the father was wrapping his arms around him, kissing him and, and, and putting a cloak on his shoulders and a ring on his finger. And he's saying, I get it. I get it because I see your heart. It starts with your heart. I see that when I see your heart. That's all I need to start the, blow, the flow of blessing pouring into your lives. If you'll just trust me, that's the kind of God that we are dealing with. That is the kind of God that is looking for an opportunity to pour blessing into your life. Luke said it this way. He said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And the measure you use is all determined by your heart. I'm going to be talking about how to be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. But for that, you're going to have to tune in for next week's exciting episode. God bless you. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.